Hello, this is Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories, obviously, and this isn't an ad, I promise. A few weeks ago, we were contacted by Sammy from Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. Sammy saw that there was a need for licensed rehabilitators in the Memphis area of Tennessee and set about creating Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. This autumn, the centre will open and take in squirrels, raccoons, foxes, opossums, cryptids, and some species of birds. It costs around $250 to rehabilitate a baby raccoon and get them strong and fit enough to be released back into the wild. And unfortunately, there is little to no governmental assistance for projects such as this. We'll be donating money to Out of the Woods Wildlife, and if you have the means or desire to donate money, you can too. Each person that donates to the GoFundMe in the month of August will have the chance to win Real Life Ghost Stories merchandise of their choice and will pick five winners at random. It doesn't matter how big or small your donation is because every little helps and you still get an equal chance to win some merchandise. We know that it's a difficult time financially for lots of people. So like always, there's no pressure to donate. But if you still want to help out Liking, following and sharing on social media is also a meaningful way to help small projects grow. Go and follow at Out of the Woods Wildlife on Instagram and check out outofthewoodswildlife.org for links to the GoFundMe and any information that you could want or need. The links for everything will be in the description of each episode of 30 Days of Terror and I'll be playing this little message every five episodes or so. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to 30 Days of Terror Day 20. How you do? I'm going to get straight into it on this episode because we've got four fantastic listener tales for you. Oh my goodness. Story number one comes from Caitlin. My husband Joel and I love a good road trip. So when the opportunity came to travel out to the northwest of Australia mid last year, we jumped at the chance. It also happened that the drive would allow us to take a slight detour through the infamous Pilliga scrub and drive down the notorious highway. The Pilliga is well known here in Australia for its fascinating history and stories of Yowie's Min Min Lights and the Pilliga Princess. We drive through the Pilliga with no disturbances but not realising what was ahead. We arrived at the Narabri property at roughly 11pm an old heritage-style farmhouse on 110 acres and no neighbours for miles. We were welcomed by our friends who owned the house, but don't live there anymore as they moved back to Newcastle, and were walked into the kitchen. First thing I noticed was that half of the kitchen cupboards were open, albeit empty. I thought nothing of it at this point. We were shown our room, which was adjacent to theirs. They were kind enough to give us the room with the ensuite. Now in these old farmhouses, it was incredibly common for there to be no bathroom per se. There was usually an outhouse outside on the property, 
and then a bath was located off the kitchen or in the laundry. At some point throughout its history, half the walk around the veranda was enclosed to create a bathroom for the modern dweller, and the only access to this bathroom was through the main bedroom or via the outside. We were staying in the room with the only access to the bathroom. After staying up and chatting with our friends, we went to bed at around 2am. With no furniture in the house, we had to set up our blow-up mattress on the floor. The bathroom was on our right, and main door was at our feet. Joel's account is that roughly an hour or so after falling asleep, he was awakened by the door to the bedroom opening and one of our friends walking past him to the door of the bathroom. He would note later that she was eerily bright with a white nightgown, but didn't think much of this at the time. It wasn't until he realised that after a few minutes of silence, the door to the bathroom did not open and no light was switched on. He then got a massive sinking feeling in his stomach and said that he got goosebumps all over his body. He lay in bed for a time wondering what he had seen and then drifted back to sleep. Another hour or so later, he was woken up with a start while laying on his back. He felt hands around his neck and he started to choke. He said the pressure was immense and he said he was almost unconscious when the hands lifted and he gasped for air. Needless to say, he did not sleep for the rest of the night. The next day we were enjoying breakfast on the deck, me being blissfully unaware of the events from the night before. Joel casually asked if our friends came into the room to use the bathroom last night. They both said no, and he proceeded to tell them about the woman he saw walking through the bedroom. He omitted the choking part at this point. Both the girls simultaneously said, Oh, that's Margaret. She was the previous owner who passed away. We see her frequently. She usually lets us know she's here by opening all the kitchen cupboards or closing a door when we were in the room. Joel's face went white and one of the girls offered to get him a drink. As she went into the kitchen, I followed her in and sure enough, every single cupboard door was open. I'm sure the explanation will be sleep paralysis. However, it really affected Joel and he is reluctant to talk about it too much, but he is adamant that it was real. I'd say it was real. I gotta say, yeah, Joel, it was real. Because the You pe- own that ship. People say that that lady was Margaret. So she obviously just needed to use the toilet. Ghosts have to go sometimes. They just they just have to do it, creepy yep. or not. I wonder if they have that internal battle of Oh God, everyone's going to think I'm really creepy, but I really need to wee. I'm just going to have to do it. I think they probably do. Probably. But how terrifying if you're just in the middle of nowhere anyway, and you're sleeping on the floor in an old house, and then a ghost woman walks past to go to the toilet, and then later on, she or something else comes out and strangles you. I wonder, is it more terrifying to realise in the moment that it's not who you think it is, or to get that sudden sinking realisation afterwards that, I think oh, hang on a second, would you? Mm. Because if I realised in the moment, probably just run into the outback. Flailing. Yeah. Naked. <laughs> running through the outback. Yep. Looking for yowies. And our second story is only a short baby story. And it comes from Hannah. When I was around two or three, I had an imaginary friend called Jamie. 
Obviously, I was young, and I don't remember him or this incident at all. I used to play games with him, talk to him, and refer to him often. My mum would brush this off, but allow me to continue with this fantasy. It wasn't until one night that she was totally freaked out. As she was putting me to bed one night, she had finished reading me a story, and I was laying down slowly falling asleep. All of a sudden, I sat up, looked straight past my mum and stared. My mum asked what was wrong, and I turned my head to the side and just said, Hello, Jamie. My mum turned and no one was there, but I continued to stare. This obviously freaked her out, and when we mention him now, she's still terrified. I have a two-year-old son. He's nearly three, and I've never mentioned Jamie to him. But I do wonder if he'll come back and say hello. I would say don't wish that upon yourself. No. Yeah. I mean, imagine, like, what would you do? Genuine, genuine question. This isn't rhetorical, Hannah. Let us know. If your son starts playing with an imaginary Jamie. Well, Jamie didn't do Hannah any harm by any accounts. It was just scary for the mum, wasn't it? Well, no, that's not, but I know he didn't do her any harm, but you'd still shit yourself. Yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, you're, you're going, yeah, maybe. I mean, I would, I would. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, for Hannah, it's probably not as big a deal, is it? Because it wasn't like she was... You know, it wasn't like Jamie visited her every night when she was between two and three and pulled her hair and, like, gave her Chinese burns and all that kind of stuff, is it? Which they often tend to do, apparently. <laughs> We've had lots of stories with hair pulling and strangling and Chinese burns. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, the creepiest part of that story is the hello, Jamie. Because you did it in that voice again as well, didn't you? Sorry. I'm not sorry. Yeah, no, you're not. It does add impact, but it's not the right kind of impact for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> And our third story today comes from David. Sorry, I'm just going to pause for a second before I start David's story. What are you drawing? Just doodling. So Dan is writing notes while I tell the stories, but Mm. interspersed among these notes are the most bizarre doodles you've ever seen. It looks like I'm peering into the mind of a Mm. (laughs) madman. One of them... It helps me concentrate, so it's not, not like... One of them is an eyeball with really long legs and some claws. Yep. Just, just frog's legs. Oh, sorry. An eyeball with frog's legs. I take it back. Uh, very, right, so, sorry. <laughs> David's story. About 10 years ago when I was 18, my mum came into quite a bit of money. So we moved out of our small, cramped, three-bedroom, semi-detached house. Me, my two brothers and my mum to this beautiful converted barn situated on its own private road on the outskirts of Brighton. The barn itself was huge and was split into three houses when it was converted. A big house in the middle and a smaller house either side. We lived in the middle one. It was a large four-bedroomed property with loads of space and exposed beams and very old features. It was the type of house that was very creaky and wonky from the sheer age of it. At first glance of this amazing house, I was stunned at how beautiful it actually was. The ground floor of the house was a hall lobby area with a downstairs toilet and entrance to the kitchen and the living room. The living room was quite large with a huge open fire. On the first floor were three bedrooms and a bathroom. 
Up into the attic, the second floor, was my mum's huge bedroom. But there was something not quite right about her bedroom. I didn't like spending any time alone up there and avoided doing so the whole time I lived there. The first time I entered the house, me and my brothers got to pick our rooms on the first floor. We entered the very first room at the top of the stairs and without hesitation I shouted, I'm having this room! This will go on to carry some significance further along in the story. So my brothers carried on and picked out their rooms. The first night we moved in and had to sleep in the house, I was quite anxious sleeping in my bedroom, as it was huge. It was at least four times the size of the room I was staying in at my old house. So I decided to sleep in my brother's room, as it was quite a bit smaller while he stayed out. Nothing strange happened on the first night staying there. I actually slept quite well. In the morning I got up, showered and went to meet a friend. I jumped into my car and drove about three miles and I had this stabbing feeling in my stomach. This pain was absolutely unbearable and I had to pull over. This made me drive back home and my mum drove me to the hospital. I got checked out by the doctor and he gave his different opinions on what it could be but wasn't quite sure what it actually was. So I get booked in for more further tests for a few weeks' time. I gained the courage to sleep in my room that following night and nothing strange happened. But in the morning I woke up and there was no pain whatsoever anymore. And even the following weeks, absolutely nothing. I never once felt this pain again. As time went on when we lived here, lots of strange things started to happen. The first thing that really got me quite scared was when I was laying in bed. There was no light, even from the street, as the streetlights turn off after a certain time. So I was laying there trying to get comfortable drifting off to sleep in complete darkness when I hear the sound of what I can describe as a carrier bag rustling. I jolted upright, sat in my bed thinking to myself, what the hell was that? But I just wrote it off as nothing and went to sleep. I wake up in the morning and there's something not quite right about my room. I look and find a drawstring carrier bag that I had hanging with my clothes on the left-hand wall of my room was now ten feet away next to the right-hand wall of my room. I was quite baffled by this and put two and two together to realise that that was the noise I had heard. This bag had flown ten feet across my room while I was laying in bed. The next thing that happened was in the middle of the day. I got out of bed and got into the shower. I started shampooing my hair and about a minute into doing this I get a very sharp stinging pain in my back as if the shampoo was running into a fresh wound. I got out of the shower, looked in the mirror to find three scratches down the middle of my back about four inches long. These scratches weren't a graze. They actually drew blood. This really freaked me out and I quickly got ready, left the house, and tried to come to terms with what was happening. There was definite poltergeist activity within the house, and we had multiple picture frames, mirrors, and anything hanging on the walls that would fall. Normally I would take a logical, sceptical view on these things, but no matter how secure we made them, they would fall, and not just fall down where they hung, but would be significantly far away from where they were meant to be. This happened a lot on the stairwell up to my mum's bedroom in the attic. 
these picture frames would fall off from their fixtures and bang all the way down the stairs. And every time it happened, it would be in the middle of the night. The scariest thing my mum experienced in her room, which she told us about anyway, was that she heard what sounded like a glass smash or crack when she was sleeping, which woke her up. She checked her room and couldn't find anything and went back to sleep. A couple of days later, she realised what it was. She had a glass picture frame of her and her best friend, and there was a crack in the glass directly through my mum's best friend in the photo, giving off the impression that whatever did it didn't want my mum to have any other friends. We had my grandparents stay at our house, and my nan and granddad both slept in my room as it was the biggest room out of me and my siblings. So I gave up my room for the weekend and stayed at a friend's house. My nan woke up in the middle of the night, and she claimed to see a man hanging in the left-hand corner of the room. She was so traumatised she didn't sleep that night and had to stay in that room with the light on for the rest of the time that she stayed. My mum kept this story from me for years, and because of this my mum decided to invite a psychic medium to give us an idea of what might be going on in the house. The psychic proceeded into the house and didn't pick up on anything downstairs and made her way up to my bedroom. She opened the door and stopped and straight up refused to set foot in my room. She carried on and gave the verdict after inspecting the whole house that there was a playful poltergeist which she presumed was a child and an angry spirit of some sort within my bedroom. She then cleansed the house to try and rid the house of whatever was there. A few months after the psychic medium, nothing really happened. But one day, my younger brother and I, he was 12 at the time, were in our living room in the middle of the day. We were watching TV, when all of a sudden there was this weird vibrating noise. We looked at each other and wondered what it was. And as we got up, we noticed that the whole house was shaking. Every ornament on the mantelpiece above the fireplace was shaking, the blinds were rattling and my brother and I frantically were trying to find out what was going on. We looked outside for any kind of machinery and there was nothing. And then all of a sudden it stopped. It lasted maybe 30 seconds. We were really confused at what just happened and even went to both of our neighbours either side of our house and they didn't feel a thing. Nor did they do anything that would cause trembling of that calibre. We lived in this property for two years and once we moved out my brother got in touch with the people who lived there prior to us and she told him there were a lot of strange things that happened when she was there. She didn't elaborate as she didn't want to discuss it but she categorically said that the house was haunted. To give you a bit more information about the house it is actually the oldest standing building in the town that we lived in. It was the original barn from when the town didn't exist but was a farm the building was at least 200 years old. Poor grandma. I know, bless her. Waking up in the middle of the night and seeing someone hanging in her room is awful. That's so traumatic. I don't know how you even comprehend that in your head. I guess your first thought would be it was your husband, wouldn't it? Oh. Which is horrible. Which, I mean, that is worse. That yeah. is worse than seeing a ghost. Yeah, yeah. 100%, I mean. a, a bazillion percent. You'd, I did not even consider that. 
No, like, that's such a horrible thing. For, no wonder she slept with the light on. <laughs> if I could even stay there, to be honest. No, I would be sleeping with the light on as well, I have to say. Lots of strange things going on in the barn. It's always it's interesting in the how the psychic was like, I'm not going in that room. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting <laughs> that she's like, I'm not going in that room. It's a child, playful, playful poltergeist spirit, but I'm not going in that room. Yeah, because that's where the angry spirit yeah. is. Yeah. But I wouldn't be so, I don't think I'd be as blasé about it if I, if I was if I was the family and this psychic was like, oh yeah, you know, no, you're fine, playful spirit, fuck, I'm not going in there. Oh, I'd be like, um, maybe we need a bit more than a cleansing. <laughs> if you were a psychic, you'd be hilarious. I feel like you'd be like, if we, even if your skill was genuine, I feel, feel like you'd be like Professor Trelawney from the Harry Potter books Why? where everything is, is so dramatic. So everything would be so dramatic. So even if it was like a residual spirit of a dog walking through the house, you'd be like, and this dog is lost soul. This pet is wandering, looking for its owner. Be brilliant. I, I don't know whether to be impressed at my own apparent resemblance of Professor Trelawney or to be disgusted at your implication that I'm dramatic. I think you should do be both. I mean, yesterday, Dan and I fell out over a grasshopper. And I, I have to say, it was, it was, and I know people generally don't like when podcasts go off on a tangent, but I'm going to do it. Yesterday, there was a grasshopper in the house. It was huge. It wasn't huge. It was a medium-sized grasshopper. And I wasn't expecting to see a grasshopper. And I may have overreacted to said grasshopper. Leaving Dan to think that I had really hurt myself somehow. Which isn't, which also is not unlike me. So he, he sort of panicked. And it was actually only a medium-sized grasshopper. Which was why I was screaming around the house. I mean, we haven't seen one that size for a while. Well, you might not have ever seen one, so I do understand it. But I did think you were injured. So no, I'm not dramatic, is <laughs> is the shortened version of that story. <laughs> and our last story today comes from Simon. So I come from a family of four, with quite a big difference in age between me and my siblings. Me being the youngest by far. I was the miracle child that or I was the milkman's son my dad had the snip and I still came along I guess when they did it back then there wasn't 100% guarantee I found this out on my 16th birthday so I guess for this reason I never really had a room of my own until just before my teens I also didn't really like sleeping alone maybe that's the real reason for those who are close to me They know me as that guy that weird shit happens to all of the time. Sometimes they have been with me when this weird stuff happens. I will have to go with my sister when she gets a new rental, just to make sure I don't feel any bad vibes. When I do feel bad vibes, it's like something is gripping at the top of my spine trying to latch onto it and pull it out. I can't stay in secondhand clothes shops too long as I get really tired and get headaches and get agitated. Lights go off on me all of the time. My partner didn't like walking with me at night time for a while before we moved to Sydney. She also didn't really believe in the supernatural before she met me. I feel really bad about what she has to go through with me. I have to keep my stories G-rated around her these days. But there's been lots of other weird stuff. Man, I feel like an absolute nutter writing these things in words. In my head, I'm like, dude, calm your farm. It's not really that bad, and you're just making cow shit up in your head. 
but I'll have a go at writing the things that have stood out to me in my life thus far. Please don't think I'm crazy. I know there's probably a good explanation for these things, I just haven't found it yet, and my emotions tell me otherwise. The first freaky thing I remember happening to me is why I can't sleep with any limbs hanging off the end of the bed. I guess it's a common thing, but it's something that has always stood out to me. At the time, I was around 10, I think. But for some reason, I woke up and it was still dark. I couldn't really see too much. But something scared me because I was frozen. It happened a lot when I was young, sleep paralysis probably. But it only happened when I was really terrified of something. So I was frozen while awake. I tried yelling out for someone to help, but I couldn't, as I couldn't even move my mouth. I could move my eyes though, and I remember being able to dart my eyes back and forth. My hand was over the edge of the bed, and I wanted nothing more than to be able to bring it back into the comfort of the bed covers. I felt something near me, and then I felt something grab my hand. I couldn't see anyone next to me and could only feel a hand in mine. I still remember the feeling of that other hand. It gripped onto me, and I still couldn't move because I was paralysed, and I don't remember anything that happened after that. Another moment when I woke up paralysed when I was a kid. I can't really remember how old I was. This time I woke to a feeling of someone sitting at the end of my bed. For a while I slept with a lamp on. And even now I can't sleep in a completely black room. There has to be some sort of light. So I felt someone there but I couldn't see anyone. Nor could I see a depression in the end of the bed. I still remember the quilt cover. It had printed race cars on it. I'm not sure why that's important, but I felt like I had to write it down. So I was looking down the end of the bed as I could feel something there, but I couldn't see anything. I remember then another thing that I have never been able to forget. It still makes my heart race a little as I'm writing this down. Whatever it was started to move towards me. I felt the depression in the bed start to move towards either side of my body starting at my feet, like someone crawling on either side of me. The quilt got so tight pinning me to the bed, paralysed, there was nothing I could do. So the tightness of the bed covers moved up my body until it got to my chest. And I can't remember what happened after that. It may be a case of sleep paralysis, or something that actually happened. But what I felt was definitely real to me and I will never deny that fact. Since then I've had night terrors as well, even into my adulthood. Something I think that will be with me for the rest of my life. I now have a partner and for some reason I rely on her to wake me up. The images I see are always different, but the feeling of me knowing I'm asleep and need to wake up is always the same. I'm screaming in my head, in my dream. I know I must do this in order to mumble words to my partner. I managed to get out her name. All it takes is for her to touch me and I wake up. It used to freak her out, but now she just rolls over half asleep to give me a nudge, to get me out of the night terror. But that is another story in itself. Quite a while later I was in my parents' place. I was going out with my partner at this point for a fair few years. We had just moved into my parents' place as it was the best option while studying. Being traditionally Catholic, we couldn't be in the same room at night time. 
My partner had to sleep in a room that was closest to the front door, and this room used to be my brother's. She was okay in the room, for a while, but now and then would feel uneasy and get freaked out just by being in the room. It got to a point where she asked if she could swap rooms for a while. While I stayed in her room, I got the same feeling of unease. Even now I wake up early in the morning, usually around 3am. This has happened for so long it has just become usual for me. It normally doesn't take me that long to go back to sleep. So while sleeping in this room I woke up at this time. But this was to someone standing at the end of my bed. Initially I thought it was my niece, as whatever it was had longer curly hair up to their shoulders. This happened to me for a couple of nights, but I would always close my eyes and hope that it would just go away. But when I woke in the morning, I got a little frustrated with myself. I wanted to test out if what I was seeing was actually some sort of waking dream state. I thought if I were to speak or pinch myself while awake, and the figure was still there, it would confirm that I wasn't dreaming. So the third night, as I go to sleep, I told myself if I see something again, I was to pinch myself and speak. So I woke up again to see someone standing at the end of my bed. Again, I think it's my niece. So I keep my eyes open and I pinch myself. Yep, still there. As I stay awake, I begin to notice more detail. I still can't remember her face, but I remember that it was a she. She was a younger girl, maybe pre-teens, had short curly hair up to her shoulders and was wearing long length flannel pink pyjamas with yellow ducks on them. I then force myself to speak. So I say hello to her. She looks at me and says nothing in return, but points a finger out the window. She keeps moving her hand back and forth to her head while pointing out the window. Kind of like a motion someone makes when they are wanting to signal to someone else out of earshot that there is something in a particular direction. So she does this out the window while she walks backwards towards the door. And then she starts giggling. I will never forget the giggling. She does this as she is almost near the door and then she disappears. But I still hear the giggling after she disappears. I've no idea how I got back to sleep. Maybe it was as I was so tired or even a coping mechanism, but I went back to sleep. It wasn't until I woke up when I thought, hold on, did that actually happen? What was even weirder was that outside the window she was pointing at, a dead patch of grass appeared. It was like it appeared overnight. It is something that we wouldn't miss the day before as it is a patch of grass that is right near the walkway that leads to our front door. Over the next three days, the grass around the front and side of my parents' place suddenly died. I thought it may have been an indication that there was something in the ground that she wanted me to find. So I dug a hole in the grass with my parents and my partner watching, but we found nothing. So we decided to leave a time capsule in the hole. Kind of made it worthwhile because I did go to all the effort of digging it. <laughs> I like the conclusion to that story. I was expecting you to like pull up like a, a child's body or something, but you just end up digging a massive hole and then putting something in the hole. 
Well, I suppose you're right. I mean, if you spend all that time digging yeah, that hole, not? you might as well put something into it. Yeah, no, good stuff. Um, no, little girl ghost, please. Although this, I like that this one was wearing pajamas, pink pajamas with, with ducks, ducks on. on. Yeah, I'm, curly I'm, hair yeah. again, though. Always the curly hair with the girl ghosts. There must be some very busy salons in the afterlife. Maybe that's curling what it is. people's hair. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Obviously, Simon is an empath of some description. Yeah, I would say he's feeling vibes, getting vibes off of everything. It's interesting what he said about secondhand shops as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is fascinating because, you know, people have that perception of secondhand shops where it's like, people died in those clothes. I met a woman randomly this week who is a, who practices psychometry. So the art of touching an object and knowing it's past. Mm. Yeah, it's the woman who did my nails. Mm. So random. So what did she, what past life did she get off your nails? Um, Very little. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything funny to say there. It's oh. too hard. But she yeah, has so that I mean that is a an alleged thing in the paranormal world psychometry. Yeah, but I guess I guess like a fair amount of clothes probably do come from dead people, don't they? From secondhand shops. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's an easy way to clear clear clothes out, isn't it? I don't know why we're going on this again. It's a little tangent. It's a scary it's a scary story. There's obviously obviously some vibes in that room, in the brother's room of the house. Obviously, some vibes in there, and the sleep paralysis just sounds terrifying. I'm so glad. I am remembering that what he said about screaming, just in case I ever get stuck. Don't worry, I'll get you out if you get stuck. I won't. Yeah, I'd have to actually scream in real life. In my ear, I've just I after doing this podcast, I'm so thankful, touch wood, that I don't get sleep paralysis because I don't think I'd be able for it. So basically, if I need Emma to get me out of a sleep paralysis dream, I need to spend that entire dream building a large megaphone. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. Because not only do I have to shout in my dream, I'll have to actually shout in real life as well. So I've got to be really loud in that dream. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to find out about us on com, including our social media, how to donate to our Patreon and where to email your own story to. Don't forget to donate to Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. The link to everything that you need is in the description of this episode. And on that note... We shall see you tomorrow. Bye.